Viewer discretion is advised. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 5 of You, Me, and the Killer, hosted by Renat and Eileen. So today we're going to be talking about Richard Speck. <laughs> he was a mass murderer. So Eileen actually was the one who educated me about the difference between a mass murderer and a serial killer. And yes, so a mass murderer is one that commits one huge crime at this at one distinct period of time. Mm-hmm. While the other one, well, a serial killer does it throughout many years, well, depending on their spree. But they and they do like individuals. It could be more than one at the same time, but they do it at separate occasions. Well, a mass murder is just one big occasion. Got it. So. Um I don't know if this is something that a lot of researchers got time to look into, but would mass shooters be considered mass murderers? I think so, because they're, you know, unfortunately killing many many people at the same time. Because we don't consider, I was thinking, I was like, why do we not consider mass shooters like serial killers? Because they are killing a big number of people. But it's just at one time. One instance. Um... So yes, however, something to note about Richard Speck is that it is believed that he might have killed other people outside of that, outside of that group of nurses. However, that is the only one he was convicted for. So we can only speak about that. Right, but as I know you're a literary state, he is quite the curious man in terms of <laughs> delinquency. Yes. What do you, what do you mean by that? He's going to commit many crimes before he commits the major one. But yes. the other ones, as you said, we you know didn't really involve killing, involved mm-hmm. like theft and all that yeah. stuff. Um, <laughs> and uh, so Richard Speck was born on December 6, 1941, which makes him a Sagittarius. <laughs> uh, something to note about Sagittariuses is they are very assertive. They are restless. Which definitely fits into his profile. <laughs> and honest. Honest. Uh, I look. I looked a little bit more into that because I was like, I don't know if I would use honest and describe Richard's back. Yeah. But uh, they were saying how oh, they're very blunt. They don't have like. Um, they're kind of like me. <laughs> they don't have a filter. No. <laughs> um, so I feel like. He, he isn't the man to have a filter. And it's definitely something that we are going to look into a little bit deep, deeper when we uh, include his leaked tapes. Um, oh, my God. Get ready for that one. <laughs> his leaked tapes are the most disturbing thing that I have ever seen. And it was leaked by a lawyer, which questionable lawyer. It was? Yeah. I, I was wondering how it got leaked. First lived in a small town in Illinois. He was raised by his father named... Benjamin Franklin Speck. His father worked as a packer. His mother was a stay-at-home mom, and uh, she did hyphenate her name. But for uh, so it is a long name. So for the purposes of this podcast, we're just going to call her Mary Speck. Um, so what happened was when Richard Speck was six, his father Benjamin Speck suddenly died of a heart attack. Oh no, that's really really bad for him. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, tell us more. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, I do remember reading that his 
he was, well, his family dynamic at the beginning was with his two biological parents was that they were very religious and they were very anti-alcohol, which later you will tell us about how that ties in with everything else. Yes. And something that I found very, I don't know if it's interesting, ironic, foreshadowing, but the fact that his father died of heart attack and that's how we see Richard Speck dying himself. Genetics, maybe. <laughs> maybe a lot of stress. <laughs> um, but, so we know that his father died. So for three years, he didn't have a father figure until his mother, Mary Speck, um, married this guy who was a raging alcoholic. Um, he wasn't the best influence on Richard Speck. So Richard Speck's fa- stepfather was not um, treating him very well, was not treating his mother very well. And we see that Richard Speck did get physically abused by his stepfather. Um, we can only imagine, you know, how to... Yeah, like another man just comes into your life and, like, tells you what to do and controls you, in a sense. Absolutely. And, you know, as you said, physically, and I also heard verbally. Yeah. I feel like whenever there's physical abuse, there's you can also, just only imagine. Yeah, <laughs> Um, that would be very weird if it tied it <laughs> together. <laughs> um, but yeah, and to me, like what you mentioned that he was that his family was religious. I can only imagine that somebody so young can say, like, well, if there is a God, why would He take away my dad and then bring this other man who is not doing nice stuff to me or my mother or my siblings, uh, which he had a lot of. <laughs> he had a good number of siblings. Um, when it comes to school, he was definitely an average student. Um, nothing, nothing striking. Not very intelligent. Not very dumb. However, he did um, drop out. Yeah. So we do see that he dropped out when he was 16, and that is when his habit for drinking that you mentioned a little bit earlier started growing on him. Another thing that I um, recall researching is that he grew up super poor, mm-hmm. like. It really, I also heard it really impacted him a lot because, you know, it would bring him a lot of anxiety. He would refuse to wear glasses. He would speak, he wouldn't speak in class because he just felt like he was put down by his socioeconomic status, which, you know, I feel like would affect him a lot, which also additionally put him in very bad neighborhoods. As we also see that he repeated eighth grade which might demonstrate how not well he's doing in class or in not being prepared enough for you know mm-hmm. a, you know progressing as education and you know one can imagine that when you do grow up in a school where let's say nobody cares it's much easier to not care right rather than when you grow up in a school where it was very competitive and everybody was like did you get into this AP class did you get in this honors class you are more likely to be like, girl, I gotta yeah. get my stuff together. <laughs> yeah, you're like, because we're not doing this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I can only imagine that, that his failure in the eighth grade could have been due to his surroundings rather than his intelligence. That being said, I do think he's a very malleable dude. Yes, but I also thought about this is basically the start of his. Let me think about this his downfall because after this to be honest it literally just goes downhill because he starts committing the crimes Mm -hmm. 
a lot of crimes. <laughs> yes, he ends up getting in a string of juvenile crime. Yeah, and well, as we know, the ends to the murders. So his life doesn't really take an upturn, which is kind of sad for him. You know, poor little kid. Yes, and you know, we see this a lot where like somebody is a teenager, right? And you think, oh, it's just a phase. They're going to grow out of it. And that's not the case for him. He does not grow out of it. All of these petty crimes that pretty much started with trespassing to then forging paychecks end up in murder. In murder of more than five women. Eight, to be exact. So, um... Yeah, and his stepdad had a big influence on this because he very—he wasn't a very honest man either. Which, what do you mean by that? Um, like, his stepdad also was the one who committed, like, these, you know, petty crimes too. Mm-hmm. Which, then he... And the alcoholism. He's the one that started the alcoholism. So he's kind of, like, m- modeling this for him to... La- with, you know, he's modeling it, which then makes Beck do the same things that he's doing. Yeah, and I think this is back to our drinking game. (laughs) Reclaiming of power. I think that maybe when you look at somebody who's abusing and you see that they are the person in power and you see that they're doing all of these things, so you start thinking, I don't want to be the abused, so maybe I need to do all these things too. Um, Which is horrible because... Maybe one can argue that if Richard Speck's father did not pass away, or if Richard Speck's mother maybe raised him as an only as a as a, as a single mom, or maybe his stepfather wasn't an alcoholic, or maybe if he had a different stepfather, we would not be talking about this today. Maybe right. That's which I was also crazy. thinking about that because like these murders were very circumstantial. Mm-hmm. So, like, if none of these things happened before this, it would have never have happened. Yeah. That blows my mind. Yes. You know, life is so, like, it has, like, it's so interesting because mm-hmm. all, like, the different paths you take literally have different outcomes. Yes. And I feel like sometimes all it takes is being at the right time, the right day, and then your whole world is going to be transformed. Like, I think about that. Um, yeah, it's just, even in my personal life, like, you just think, oh, my God, what would I do if I had, like, for example, what would I have done if I didn't take the lab class where we met? We would not be here today, right? right? And it's, like, it's just so crazy to me how just one, it takes literally one thing, one decision, one whatever, but when you look back at it, it's serious. And I really love that you said that because you have such an optimistic point of view. For me, it was like the wrong time, the wrong place, everything go downhill. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. So, you're a good influence in my life. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, so, back to Spec. <laughs> Enough about us. So, we know that Spec ended up committing these string of juvenile, cri- juvenile crimes which is not unique to him. Um, there's something that I also like to do a lot is compare them to other criminals. Um, so watching a documentary about crime lords. Um, they were talking about El Chapo and Pablo Escobar, and they were saying how a lot of these men grew up in, well, El Chapo specifically grew up in a poor neighborhood. He grew up where he also dropped out of school. He also ended up getting involved in petty crime, and it took one thing from trend, from getting involved in marijuana to transporting uh, cocaine across the border to then becoming 
well, obviously there were a little bit more steps in there to then becoming the El Chapo that we know today. I wouldn't say he was like, he's not the most successful because Pablo Escobar was making $420 million a week. That's a goal. <laughs> so I can only, yeah, so he wasn't like the richest or anything, but he definitely is very powerful. Uh, El Chapo. He's really good at commanding power. Absolutely. And if, you know, he does have to be, you know, very smooth with his words if he's going to convince everybody to listen to him and not kill him. Absolutely. And I was thinking about that and I was saying, like, you know, well, maybe it's because, you know, he's intimidating, but I was like, El Chapo, like, his name is literally coming from him being like this short man like he's not you know this like six nine man who walks through the door and like shakes everybody he's just like he looks like a normal dude that we have this you know grand crime lord so this whole this whole thing of cr- uh, criminals being in the bad time of the bad place um committing one crime and getting getting away with it leads them to say how far can i push this that definitely demonstrates a little narcissism because now they're thinking they're you know yeah, hot shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so what we do know is because of these these crimes, he ended up going to prison a lot. Uh, he ended up he, ser- he served time before, and throughout his tr- string of of crimes, he moved a lot. He moved from Texas to then ch- to to his little town that he grew up in to then Chicago. Notable from the little town to Chicago, he moved because he was a prime suspect of a murder of a woman. So we do know that there might have been a chance that he did kill somebody. Um, another thing that I wanted to note is that I, well, obviously we know he didn't get evaluated by a psychologist, especially mm-hmm. with his socioeconomic status. But if he did during this childhood, would you also? I mean, because I would um, diagnose him with conduct disorder. What would you, do you think that would fit his profile? Tell us more about conduct disorder. Well, as we also talked about this in the Maryville episode before this, conduct disorder is a behavioral disorder that occurs when children engage in antisocial behaviors, have trouble following the rules, and struggle to show empathy towards others. So I think this perfe- perfectly fits in to Speck's description. Yeah. To me, I don't know if I would go as far as to diagnose him. Maybe what I would do is, you know, in a perfect world, obviously, I would never be able to do this, but in a perfect world, I would just remove him from from the situation that he's in. And this is also something that we do see with the tapes. He is a very man of his environment. He is so, and maybe it's a good skill, he is so quick to forget about his identity and just adopt to wherever you put him in. Whether it's being in a bad neighborhood and he gets a tattoo of born to raise hell. Whether it's you put him in prison and he becomes this gay dude who is now getting breasts from taking estrogen pills. So we do see him um, kind of like mirroring what he views to be like the best thing for him is in that environment that he finds himself in, which is very smart. And it also brings me to the conclusion that maybe he has identity problems. Because if he's so able to adapt to other environments and people and mimic them, then he doesn't really have a sense of his own identity because usually when you have a really good sense of your identity, you stick to what you believe and who you think you are. Yeah. I think 
that you are on the right track. I do think that there is an identity problem here. So Eileen, can you tell us a little bit more about Spax Killings? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Basically, it all started when this wife left him. She divorced him because she was just tired of him and all his horrible actions. Yeah. So then, he, as you have told us, he traveled around living with all his sisters. And then, upon being in Chicago, he was trying to get a job at the National Maritime Union. But he found out that someone took his position. And that really upset him. Yeah. Well, especially because it involves rejection, which people don't take that well, especially if you don't have the right mental state. That led him to his drinking spree around the ta taverns in that area and it also led to him meeting Ella May Hooper who was a 53 year old woman okay. who he ended up taking that knife point and raping her and he also ended up taking her .22 caliber pistol which is what mainly led to his big killing spree but he didn't Tell end up killing her. Tell us a little bit more about that. Um, so it, it was on July 13th, 1966. He was running around the south side of Chicago with this pistol that he just got. Okay. And he saw this townhouse, which was the home to, uh, nurse, to nine student nurses at mm -hmm. the South Chicago Community Hospital. And it was like their dorm. So they lived there. He broke into the window at 11 p.m. and went into the bedrooms. Oh, my God. Yeah. First, he ran into the Filipino exchange students named Corazon, Merlita, and Valentina, and he took them at gunpoint and led them to the other room where the American nursing students were sleeping. So then there, he ran into Patricia, Pamela, and Nina, and he got them all together, tied them up with torn bed sheets in the same room, and then, one by one, let them out of the room to either stab or strangle them to death. Corazon, which was the only sole survivor of this whole situation, she stated that no one screamed. So the neighbors probably couldn't hear anything. Oh my god. But it's also like really haunting because if someone's trying to kill you, I would definitely scream to the top of my lungs. Like, no, this is not happening. I'm, well, what do you think of that? I think that like... Usually when something so scary happens, your new first instinct is like, oh my god, I need to scream, like I need to, to save myself. But like, if there's this stranger and you're around all your friends and you don't know what's happening, you're so scared that if not breathing guarantees survival, you might make sure you don't breathe loud, you know what I mean? Like, it could be so terrifying what they went through. Well, it is so terrifying. I can't, you know, begin to imagine. Yeah, because they're, you know, they were probably trying to, I don't know. I don't even know what they could possibly do to get out of this difficult situation. But then after that, uh, Corazon ended up being able to roll under the bed and hiding herself while Speck was, you know, busy handling the other woman. The other woman, yeah. So he didn't. So he didn't count them. Yeah, which he, makes me, which to me sounds like maybe it wasn't very planned. Because I don't think he was very detached from it. Because if we're talking about a detached killer, maybe he would just be like one, two, three, four, nine, and 
let me take one by one, number one, number two, number five, but that's not what he did. Yeah, he's not very methodical in his killing, which could also be because of his, I mean, I'm not trying to be rude to him or anything, but (laughs) intellectual abilities, because if you're a really good murderer, like we see some of the serial killers we've talked about before, you got your stuff planned very well in order not to get caught right afterwards. Absolutely. Well, let's continue on to the story. Yes, tell us more. (laughs) Well, then, unfortunately, to the other three girls that end up showing up, because everybody, um, some of the girls were sleeping, some of the girls were awake, but then later we see two nursing students returning home, which is Susanna and Mary Ann, and he ended up stabbing to death both of them when they came into the house at the late hour. But then his final victim was Gloria, who was dropped off by her boyfriend late that night. And she was sadly um, the only one that was raped and sexually brutalized by him. And that is basically the end of the night in terms of killing because Corazon was able to hide under the bed until 6 a.m. until she was sure that he was gone. And I think that he wasn't really able to uh, figure out that she was hiding because he was distracted with these other girls coming in additionally. Yeah, so maybe, you know, that kind of just records our theory of his intellect. Like, maybe it could be just overwhelmed. You know, you're in your space, you're doing something that's wrong, and now there's this other women that are coming in, and you're like, oh my god. Corazon, after she was sure that um, he was gone at around 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. She screamed out the window, they're all dead, my friends are all dead. Oh God, I'm the only one alive. Imagine how sad that is for her. Yeah, and that honestly gives me like goosebumps because yeah, like just sit down for a second and just imagine the weight of that statement. The trauma that Corazon went through, like of just having to sit there and make sure you are quiet and listen in to, to, and hearing, oh, this is Laura now crying. Oh, this is Blank now crying. It is terrifying. And not knowing if you're going to be caught, if you're going to be dead, what is happening? Or the sights that she saw them all in. Or being scared that he's going to come in and kill her and find her. Yeah. Like, to be honest, waiting and not knowing is one of the most scary things out there, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Well, after she ran to the police, Beck went into hiding. And he even tried to commit suicide while he was in hiding, which led him to be taken to a hospital. And then in that emergency room, a physician noticed that Speck had the born to raise hell tattoo. <laughs> so that ended up getting him in trouble. And then he reported him to the police. And that's how he was arrested on July 17th, 1966. Wow. Talk about a roller coaster. Yeah. He literally wouldn't be in jail if he didn't commit this one crime, if you really think about it. What do you mean? Like, he wouldn't end up being in jail for, like, a, a lifetime because if he didn't commit this crime. This big one, yeah. He was supposed to be on death row. Yes. And then what happened was... There was a problem in his jury selection, which led people to believe that it wasn't a fair trial. We did it, and 
he got life in prison. Um, where the infamous leak tapes were first <laughs> introduced to the outside world. If you can find these tapes, I don't know if you should watch them or not, but they're very interesting and Absolutely. weird. And then he, another thing that he said was, he said, if they knew how much fun I was having, they would set me free, which kind of made me really sad to see that his idea of fun is kind of morphed. Well, no, because I really did think he was having fun. He was just in a room and everybody had a crush on him because he was taking these estrogen pills. Um, and he was and he was getting to have intercourse with these men all the time, which he said he liked. So I thought it was a survival mechanism because, to be honest, all the other serial killers we've talked about before and some other ones I've read about, they all ended up getting killed pretty early on and yeah. getting into jail. So I actually do have that in my notes. <laughs> this allowed him to survive through until he eventually died of natural causes. I guess it, it allowed him to live longer. The way that I took it was, while I agree with you that it was a defense mechanism, which shows that, one, he knew what he did was wrong. He knew that people were not going to like him for it. So he said, what are all these people missing? They are missing, you know, a girl's touch. <laughs> um, so he thought that he wants to take an estrogen uh, pill. And wear little panties. And wear, yes, and wear, in the tape we see his him featuring his blue panties. So when he was also talking to, about the murders while he was in jail, a comment he made was, it just wasn't their night. Oh my god, that freaked me out so much. Like, he was like, oh well. Like. And to a sense it's kind of true because if he didn't <sighs> pick that place, at that time, in that moment, in that location, if he didn't go to the south side, what if he went to the north side of Chicago? Mm-hmm. It would have literally not happened. And what if he picked not their townhouse? What if he picked the townhouse next, next to them, them or the next door one? I know, it's just, the way he said that is so creepy to me. Um, he's just so disassociated from what he did. Again, like, as people who, I can't, you know, I, to me, it's just disturbing. What do you think about his stay in jail overall? Do you think it could have also been that he turned a little bit more feminine because, you know, he was kind of being like... There's like a saying that people who go to jail because... Fun fact, I like to watch a lot of random things on YouTube and one of them is being like people telling their t- about their time in jail. Do you really? Yeah, I actually do. <laughs> and I'm just... I learned so many fascinating things. Do on you my, recommend? Do I recommend going to jail? No. No. <laughs> for us to watch oh yeah go ahead um there's a i don't remember her full name but her name is christina and she posts a lot of fun interesting videos about her time in jail okay and she says a lot of people are gay for the stay you know while they're oh there oh my god <laughs> and you know people have need get those feelings and if you're in there for a long time it makes you maybe change your mind yeah it makes your sexuality a little bit more fluid the way that i thought about it was if we want to entertain the theory that Christina presented that certain people explore sexuality that maybe they don't identify with outside of prison, whether that is due to the fact that maybe outside of a prison, they feel like they have to be polite and civilized and maybe being gay does not fall under that category, or whether they are in fact just straight and trying to just, they gotta itch the itch, right? Yeah. <laughs> whether it's either of those theories, I think 
that in Speck's case, whether it was him being actually gay or him being gay to fit in, I think it gave him an easier time in prison. He ended up getting cocaine. He ended up getting drugs. First of all, how? That's what I was thinking when I saw the video. I'm like, how is this on camera? How is this yes. happening? And that's what people were saying was back then, cameras were not like a cell phone camera and you put it in your back pocket and sneak it in. Cameras were these big things. So how could somebody sneak in a camera? Somebody had this um, theory that it could be the prison guards sold it to them. It was a very corrupt system. system. And one of the things that, the, one of the many things that the leak tapes highlight is how corrupt the prison system was at the time. Because also, how did he get those panties too? True. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I, there's a lot of questions. See, I thought it was fake when I first saw it. I was like, wait, what? Like, this doesn't make any sense. There's no way this is happening. Not in prison in America. It was one of the toughest prisons in the nation, and the assignment of of a guard to the to the amount of prisoners that they got was just too grand. They they had too many prisoners, so there was no way for them to truly monitor everything that was happening yeah and i also for my you know videos of people talking about their jail time they still claim that it's not fair that there's so few prison guards compared to the prisoners because it's hard to manage them all and I make sure that everything is in order and it puts a lot of pressure on the prison guards themselves because they have to they probably get more annoyed with you know easily annoyed and like I frustrated when they have so many things to do or scared oh yeah scared too you have like let's say t- 10 prisoners right 10 people and let's say two out of those 10 people have killed before and they're mad at you what makes you feel like they won't kill you mm-hmm. to get out True. it is scary i can only you know we ought to thank those prisoner prison guards for their services because it's very hard for a normal person who is not in that situation to imagine what they are truly going through. Right. Additionally, I also remember, you know, a psychologist said their point of view about what they thought about Speck's transition in, toward, in jail. Mm-hmm. And they said that Speck's psychologist in prison said that it was him punishing himself for everything oh. he did throughout his whole life. And then he was punishing himself in jail because he was basically most of the prisoners' source of release. Oh, (laughs) that's one way to put it, source of release. Um, Another thing that we do see is what did the suicide, which is pretty much what got him caught, what did that stand for, his attempt at suicide at that? Mm -hmm. Um, To me, it shows that there was a little bit of guilt. Oh, yeah, definitely. Which is why when I said uh, about that the video, if we are to take it to be literal and to be true, maybe he said, like, I don't want to be this soft dude inside a prison who says, I did feel bad when I killed those women. So it's easier to just stay around these tough men who are also criminals to say, no, I'm a man. I didn't care. Like, you know what I mean? So it could have, like, we sometimes can't put as much weight to their statements. Uh, well, specifically his statement. For sure. And I want to thank you guys for tuning into our episodes. We've had a lot of fun getting your feedback, if you know us personally. (laughs) So, toodaloo. (laughs) Oh, another thing. 
Today we are going to be visiting the place where... The place of the crimes. Mm-hmm. For our upcoming YouTube video. Yes. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> if you guys have any colors that you want to recommend for us to talk about, please send them in. There aren't just a lot of interesting colors. I mean, there kind of is, but like you kind of want to cover ones that are not that famous to keep it exciting so let us know if you have any yeah and also if you want us to talk about any specific thing about a crime or like if you want us to you know talk more about what we think yeah send us your feedbacks um feel free to comment can they comment on these things? Uh, you can comment on soundcloud okay <laughs> or email us i mean that's pretty easy it's our oh, it's you me and the killer at gmail.com yeah Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Stay safe out there. <laughs>